I so eloquently at 22 years old walked into my boss's office and said, I don't want to do this anymore. And his response was, okay, when is your last day? And nobody ever told me you're supposed to give two weeks notice. So I'm sitting there going, um, I'm out. I don't understand the question. So that was a Tuesday morning. And on Saturday afternoon, I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Welcome to episode one of season eight of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, aka Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. If this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button so that you get notified every time a new episode drops. Live in the Feast is in your podcast app of choice. And if it's not, let me know. I'll get it there. If you've already heard the show before, why not go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes or drop us a comment in Breaker or CastBox. Today's co-host is Emily Leach. She's been a freelancer for 20 years and has organized many large events over the years, including TEDx Talks and the Freelance Conference. She's an amazing person and very giving of her time and energy. As you'll hear in this episode, she's a hustler. When she puts her mind to something, she just goes out and does it. Case in point, she's holding a virtual summit for the very first time where she's invited me to speak at FreeCon Virtual Summit. That takes place on April 28th through the 30th. So go ahead, grab your ticket to that event and check it out. In this episode, we dive into how even introverts need to be able to get out from behind the desk once in a while and be social. We also talk about how to look at your skills to solve a need that someone else has and how to evaluate all the things you need to do for the business and not overcommit yourself. This is a great one. So here's Emily. Feasters, welcome to another episode of Live in the Feast. I am super excited to have Emily with us today. Thank you for coming on, Emily. Happy to be here. Thanks for bringing me on. Yeah, I mean, I know when we had that conversation a number of months ago, you know, just hearing your passion and and everything that you talk about in helping freelancers and your story and everything else. I mean, me personally, I've been following you for some time, never got to the conference, although I've been on that mailing list for a number of years at this point in time. We'll dive into what that conference is in a moment. Okay. But for me, it's, this is a pleasure just to have you on the show and really just kind of connect with you and hear your story a little bit about building your business and why you did it in the first place and what's going on now and just hearing some of the lessons learned, if you will, in the course of, I guess now, how many years have you been running your business? Well, if you consider all the freelance work, uh, 28 years. Yeah. That's a long time. I've been doing this 20 years myself. So sometimes I feel like I, it feels like that. <laughs> like, I think I'm supposed to retire sometime soon. It's like, oh yeah, we don't do that. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I, it's funny that like my wife and I, we were talking about that and like, not that, you know, I mean, I'm 42. So, I mean, it's there. It's like, you know, I'm closer to retirement than I am the high school. So like, I just look at it from that <laughs> perspective, but you know, for me, I'm like, yeah, that, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like yet, but uh, I'm hoping to get there. But one of the things I, I'm curious about, and, and I know like, you know, I've followed your story for quite some time, but what was the genesis of like you really feeling like, hey, I want to be the champion or I want to be a spokesperson for freelancers and, and have them feel like they have a voice and feel connected with each other in a way. What was the genesis of that? Well, it kind of snuck up on me. Um, there was a, a woman here in town. I live in Austin and she has a really successful Facebook group called um, Austin Digital Jobs. And what we were finding, and that was about six or seven years ago, it's still out there and doing great. And what we were finding is that people were going into that group and posting gigs and projects, really looking for a freelance person, um, not looking for someone that wanted a full-time job. And that's what that whole group was about, is helping people that were hiring and people looking for a job, you know, connecting them. And so she reached out and said, you know what, this is, this is becoming not a problem, but an opportunity that isn't getting filled because we're really not the right fit. Someone really needs to start that group. And so I reached out and I said, eh, I'll do it. You know, why not? And so we launched Austin Freelance Gigs. And then I managed that group. And basically what we did in there was, you know, you invited people that were freelancers in and you told us what you did. You don't sell to us. You just tell us what you do. And then if you're looking for a freelancer, you come in and say, hey, I need a graphic designer or a writer or this or that. And it's really been interesting to see some of the, the requests that come in there. But regardless, after it grew really fast. I mean, the first week we got 300 people mm. and I was kind of blown away. And it was a kind of a chicken and the egg deal because we had a whole lot of freelancers and no gigs yet. And so it was right there on the, the precipice. It's probably not the right word, but of, is this going to work? If I don't get gigs in here, it's just going to go flat. Mm -hmm. So I started going out a little long winded, but I think it all makes a difference. Um, is a part of it is I started going out and evaluating gigs on Craigslist because at the time that was kind of the, the platform and I would evaluate one or two a day and make sure that it looked like a real gig and then I'd go post it in there so that there was something for them and then I'd go tag two or three people and say hey is this of interest to you this might be a good fit for you and so then other people started tagging other people and it really started this like referral network. And it was great because when people came in, they knew they weren't just getting somebody. They were getting someone that for the most part was usually referred by someone else. And it grew really, really fast. And about six or seven months in, in July, uh, actually July 13th, not that I'm counting, but I remember this conversation that I was watching in there and people began to... It began to morph from not just being a gig network, if you will, but more of a community. I mean, mm -hmm. people were asking questions and being vulnerable because we have these rules in there where we're not selling to each other and things like that. So conversations started to happen. And one of the things that I noticed pretty quickly is that freelancers didn't really have a place to go to get resources, to ask questions, to be supported. And even though I'd been doing it all these years, I'm kind of a loner, so that really wasn't a huge issue for me, but I didn't realize that it was kind of a big issue for a lot of people. Mm. I was the outlier by far. And I knew a lot of those answers because I'd been doing it so long. And so I was like, going, man, 
I would love to be able to do this in person. You know, literally watching this conversation and there's like four or five people talking back and forth and I'm just watching. And so I go, I literally walk across the, you've probably heard this story before, but I walk across my living room, get my credit card. I am going to go to a conference for freelance business owners, but it didn't exist Mm. anywhere in the world. And that really, really blew me away. And at that point, I sat there for a few minutes and I said, you know what? I've been running TEDx events for like five years and from the ground up. And I've freelanced at that point, you know, 20 some years. Why don't I just do it? Why don't I just create the conference? So I got on GoDaddy and it looked like freelance conference was as good a name as any. (laughs) And I was, you know, my background was SEO. So of course I'm going to pick that Mm -hmm. and built a site that night and picked a date out of the blue and. I evaluated kind of what was going on in Austin, you know, and picked a date accordingly. Went and found me a space the next couple of days. And I was new to Austin. I didn't really know hardly anybody. Hmm. So it was really, it was actually looking back, it was kind of risky. <laughs> but a lot of things I've done are. And, and that just kind of grew. And so out of that 100 days from the day that I made that decision to the day that we basically had the first conference, I also started to meet a whole lot of people. People just started kind of coming out of the woodwork. And, hey, I want to talk to you about this. And what are you doing? And we need an association. We need an association. And so it's like, going, of course we need an association. How come it doesn't exist? And freelancers unions out there, it's, it, it's on the, you know, the border of what you would call an association and what people are really needing. It has a purpose. So me and I think four or five other people got together and it whittled down to about four people. And we started the Texas Freelance Association, which is a nonprofit. And we ran that for a couple of years. And between running the conference and, and running that nonprofit or that association, I finally stepped down. And so saying all of that, I mean, it kind of keeps going and I could kind of keep going with the story for the, for the continuing five years to take us up to now, but that was really it. It was like one step at a time mm-hmm. until I began to learn a little bit more and learn a little bit more. And, and I didn't set out to be like you're calling it, you know, the, the voice, the leader, the, the whatever you want to call it. And I don't know that I'm completely that yet, but I can, right now I can sit in this chair and, and see how that could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I believe that somebody needs to take that reign. And I don't know that anybody really is. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, to be, and just very much like yourself, for me, freelancing, when I decided to do it full-time, and I left the, the, the cubicle, if you will, I was okay with being at home by myself. I was doing work. I was like, Hey, I'm not on a commute. I'm not on a subway. I'm not doing these things. And so for me, that was what I enjoyed. And then I didn't realize until much later that I was an outlier like yourself. Like I didn't need a conference. (laughs) I didn't need these people. Like I didn't need the, the socialization aspect of work in order to do good work. But what was funny was that when I started to realize that much in the same way that, you know, I, that's how I found the conference because I came from the WordPress space and word camps exist and everything else. And, but outside of that, there was specific conferences for industries like SEO or social right. media or something of that nature, but nothing about like, how do I run a business as a freelancer or anything of that nature? And like you, you exactly. mentioned freelancers union, but there was nothing to like, Hey, I'm going to really follow this resource because they are the resource to help me build a better business. It was always more of like, I need to learn from this person because they're two steps ahead of me 
and they seem to be on the right track. So maybe I can learn from them. And so that was how I learned. And that's how I essentially coach and mentor other freelancers now, developers and designers specifically. But for me, it was like, there was nothing there. And then that's when I came across FreeCon and I was just like, hey, wait a second. I got to figure out a way to get to Texas. <laughs> How do I do that? <laughs> right. Because I mean, from, and that was the thing, like living in New York city, you would think that there would be something, but there was nothing. And it was just like, it was shocking to me. So I, I commend you on just literally grabbing the reins hundred days later. I mean, here's the event. I mean, it's so scary though, because from my perspective, and I've never run a large event meetups here and there, but never any large event. What would like, I know you ran TEDx and things like that, but like they always talk about like event organizers, rather talk about like, Hey, events are not profitable. You're not going to make any money from this thing. What made you think like, Hey, I can potentially turn this into a business. I'm actually, your, your questions are really making me question everything I've done. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> because, because now I'm like, I didn't think of it as becoming a business. So literally mm. that first year, I just wanted to hang out with my peeps, Got it. you know, to be perfectly selfish. And at the end of it, I'm thinking, okay, that was fun. And then everybody in the audience or a bunch of people in the audience was, so when is this next year? And I'm mm. thinking, what, what? I don't know who's doing it next year. <laughs> <laughs> and of course they're going, well, it's your deal. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm going to process this for a little bit, but they, they are both right and not right. That events are typically tend to not be a moneymaker. And in fact, probably the best positioning of, of a conference for most companies is that is their marketing budget. You know, they, they just write that off because this is how I'm going to market. I'm going to get my people together. And then I'm really going to, you know, make money off of them over here mm-hmm. And I've not ever done that to date for better or worse. And, you know, I'm just now starting. We just now launched the community that we really haven't even told many people about. I've put the people that went to the last conference in it. We're kind of playing around and kind of hanging and doing our thing. And so the goal is to, you know, to launch that, fully launch it and get people into there. And so we have community all year long. We've got the virtual summit that we're going to talk about later. And we built out the Freelancers Choice Awards. We're going into our third year of that. And so it really was the whole journey has just been, what is the need? Oh, this community needs this and create it. And all of that has come to the point that I'm at right now, which is an interesting time to have this conversation, is it hasn't made money. I have donated my time for five years. And that needs to change. And so I'm really evaluating how I look at this. I mean, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of heartache, all of the above. And now there needs to be some tweaks without changing, hopefully without changing too much, the culture that I've built mm-hmm. in the following that, you know, of, of who connects with me. So we, we may be seeing some changes coming up. everyone is safe and healthy especially inside your inner circle i hope everyone is taking care of themselves because this is a strange time for everyone here the conversation between emily and i was recorded at the beginning of 2020 when the covid 19 
outbreak had yet to impact the US. Since that time, well, things have changed and our world is completely flipped upside down at this point. Depending on when you are listening to this episode, you may still be under quarantine, lockdown, shelter in place, or whatever the term that they wanna use is. Bottom line is that what makes us human is our ability to socially connect and communicate with one another. I wanted to make that as easy as possible for you, but also to be able to filter some noise, collaborate, learn, and share stories with other developers, designers, and creative professionals providing client services. Welcome to Feast Club. No more stale articles from 2008 on the web giving you advice on how to run your business and double your revenue. As a Feast Club member, you'll be a part of a community of like-minded developers, designers, and other client service business owners also looking to build predictable income and systems to grow their business in today's market. Support and confidence from everyone helps you make great strides to achieving the goals that you set out for when you started your business. This is a private community that is sharing stories, strategies, and resources for marketing, optimizing, selling, pricing, and most importantly, building your services. Ultimately, it's a safe place for any designer, developer, or client service business owner to share ideas and get support. For only $5 a month, you'll get access to a private podcast, bite-sized pieces of content that I'll be sharing regularly, including what I'm working on, marketing ideas and campaigns, strategy and advice, and most relevant for you right now, what's working and not working in today's market. You'll also get access to a private Slack community, access to a monthly live Q&A and virtual co-working sessions. And yes, you heard that right. It's only $5 per month. So if you want to check it out and join a community that's built on the saying, a rising tide raises all boats, head on over to feastclub.co today. And like I said, it is only $5 per month. That is for a limited time. I don't know for how long, but if you join today, you'll lock that in for as long as you are a member. I hope to see you on the inside of the club. Now let's get back to the conversation between Emily and myself. Before we dive into some of what potentially what some of those changes are, I always like to ask, what has been your defining moment in life so far? There's probably been a few, but the one that I think I would dive into that I really believe has changed everything would be the day that I so eloquently at 22 years old walked into my boss's office and said, I don't want to do this anymore. And his response was, okay, when is your last day? And nobody ever told me you're supposed to give two weeks notice. So I'm sitting there going, um, I'm out. I don't understand the question. It's awesome. So that was a Tuesday morning. And on Saturday afternoon, I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So I went from Houston to Albuquerque just because I thought the name was cool. <laughs> and that, that had a little bit of backlash, but I made it through it. But it was that short series of events that 
changed the way I looked at everything in the world. You know, once I moved to Albuquerque and realized here's how naive I was, I woke up and was like, oh, I don't have a job. <laughs> Those two things didn't even kind of um, click for me, you know, at that point in time in life. I knew, I just knew what I wanted to do and went and did it. And so I started calling engineering companies. I did, um, I was a designer, engineering designer. And it turned out that I had a skill that they needed, but they didn't need me full time. They needed me as a contractor. So I did that for multiple companies. And it turns out that that's freelancing. Hmm. <laughs> that's awesome. And so I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I had a, a, I didn't have as an abrupt from my end, end of my cubicle career. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was very, a very, similar way in which I was just basically, Hey, having a conversation with the owner of the company that I was working for. And I said, yeah, I'm out done. Like this is it. And I haven't looked back since, but yeah, I mean, for, for a lot of freelancers, like, and it's funny because for me, I wanted that safety net. Like I was burning the candle at both ends. Like I was like, okay, I can't quit and not have anything. But then other folks are like, I'm done. Like I'll figure it out. Right. Like you're like, you're yourself. And so for me, hearing that, that experience that you went through that said, oh, wait a second, I need a job. Let me call people that potentially need my skills. Yeah. Was it as simple as just realizing that and doing the outreach? Or was there some obstacle standing in the way where you said, hey, how do I connect with those people? Do I need to talk to somebody else that can get me that warm out? Or did you just flat out pick up the phone and call. I straight up called them. I just, you remember the yellow pages? Mm -hmm. You're old enough to yep. remember the yellow pages. Yep. I picked up the yellow pages, went to engineering, started the A's. And by the time I got to the B's, I had a project. That's awesome. That's, that's great. That's the flat out hustle, I guess. Right? <laughs> that, but that's what the kids call it. Well, and, and it is. Yeah. And I mean, looking back, I now can see that, you know, timing was just, I just walked into perfect position. I didn't even know it at the time. So the, so the software platform that I was taught to use at the company in Houston, it was all I knew. Mm. And when I moved to Albuquerque, you know, I call these people up and ask them if they needed anyone to run an intergraph station. And they were like, literally, it was, you know how to run that? And I'm thinking, doesn't everybody know how to run this? <laughs> And they said, come in, we'd like to talk to you. So I came in in an intergraph station, if you're not familiar with what they are, especially back in the day, fairly large room, had to have special ventilation. AC was always crazy cold and it was huge, literally just huge. And what had happened in, in New Mexico was the DOT for New Mexico and at the federal level and the Department of Defense and the Department of Energy, which is all there, all of them had just changed over to where all of their work from that point forward was no longer allowed to be done in AutoCAD. It had to be done in Intergraph. And if you did not have a person on staff that could run that Intergraph machine, you didn't get projects. Mm. I didn't know that. I probably would have made a lot more money had I realized <laughs> that. So when they walked into that room and they pointed at this great big monster and they said, you know how to run that? I mean, they were like really serious that, I mean, you know what that is? <laughs> I said, yeah, what's your super years or not? Just log in. So I logged in and that just was my ticket. Mm -hmm. So you were, it's what you're describing there is just really just specializing, 
right? Like you became a specialist or an expert in a specific skill set that then was in need for large organizations. I mean, I'll, you know, for what I do it's for small businesses and a lot of freelancers are the same way, but right there is a lesson in and of itself is just, Hey, if you have a skill set of that, somebody can point and say, Hey, Emily knows how to do that. You need to talk to her, right? That referable moment, if you will, that referable idea or yeah, moment really allows people to then just say, Hey, okay. When she's done with that project, maybe she could come help us, you know, and vice versa. Right. Yeah. And people say, well, I do graphic design and it's, it's a, it's an easy example. And I always ask a graphic designer, what do you like doing the best in graphic design? And sometimes they'll tell me everything and, and you have to kind of, you know, work, work it through them. But most of them will say, I love to do logo work, or I love to do logo work for nonprofits, or I love to do book covers. You know, they, they have a niche within there that they really love. Doesn't mean that they can't do the rest, but you're right. It makes it so much easier when I see someone either send me an email or see someone on one of these lists that I hang out on says, I need someone to do a really great book cover for this children's book. I know exactly who to send you to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that. it took me a little while to figure that out. Like as a developer, I was like, hey, whatever anybody needs as far as development goes, I'll just learn the language and I'll, sp- I'll do whatever. Right. But it was like two years into my career full time where I was just like, I hit a wall again. I did it early on and then wound up hitting a wall and having to go get another job again. And then I was like, wait a second, why am I going, why am I faced with this again? And then I realized, and I just specialized. I niched down a little bit. I looked at my client roster and I said, who, who am I serving the best? Who do I want to work with? And what am I doing for them? I mean, it sounds simple, but it was, it was like a moment in time for me. Like I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. So this is how it's done. <laughs> like you have special yeah. specialty lawyers, you have specialty contractors that build houses, you have architects, you, you know, you have plumbers, you have, everything is a specialty. So that's, if you do everything for everyone, then you just become that guy or girl, right? Like, oh yeah, I have a guy, like, let me go see what that yeah. name is, you know? But if, for me now, I focus in on behavioral marketing with specifically ConvertKit customers, right? So I get people that just, hey, you have ConvertKit, you need to go talk to Jason. He could probably help you out with some stuff, right? And so that referable kind of moment in time makes it so, so, so much easier. I mean, and it was funny because I was going to ask you one question <laughs> and we kind of went into that, but I'm curious to know, and and we talked a little bit about some changes that you're going to be making. We mentioned a little bit about the virtual summit, which I want to dive into what that is a little okay. bit more, but well, what specific change are you making that you think is going to make the biggest impact moving forward? actually having a monetization strategy. And that may sound really silly to, to say out loud. I know that I've definitely um, kind of had my head in the hole for quite a few years. You know, I did website design for a long time and I've come to one conclusion. I was an absolute kick-ass freelancer. It was my happy place. I did it really, really well. You may have heard the story too. I've been a single stay-at-home mom doing a free, you know, thanks to freelancing I've lived on a sailboat. I've traveled. I've done the things that I wanted to do with my life. And I didn't have to wait till retirement to do any of them. Mm. And 
Then I got into this and over these last few years where I've really started looking at turning it into a business and doing it full time, that instead of doing, you know, freelance work and this, I realized that it's just different and you're no longer depending on me. I could sell me all day long because I know what I can do and I know that I'll deliver. But when you're, when the thing that you're delivering is outside of you, like a conference, like a virtual summit, you know, any of these other things, there's something can go wrong or they may not like the speakers that I chose or things. It's less, I have less control Mm. for one. And I really got caught up in the experience, which wasn't bad, except for that I let go of the monetization piece of it. And it's, it's not serving the people that depend on me to put on the conference. You know, I know it's not my re- a requirement, but still they look forward to coming each year. Mm-hmm. And if I blow this, if you will, then there isn't a conference to come to or somebody else will probably create one at some point. There isn't a community to be a part of. There isn't the things that I am giving and creating in the freelance space that do have value. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not serving me and I'm not serving people that I'm trying to serve. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest piece is understanding what does, what are the pieces that I have to put into place to monetize this? And, you know, everybody's first answer that I talk to is just raise the ticket price. No, there's, that's not the the option that I like. I get it. Mm -hmm. They think it's a simple thing, but it's not because you can raise the ticket price, but that will most likely mean that less people will be able to show up. Mm -hmm. And so you can go after higher sponsorship dollars. Yes, that's an option or more sponsorships. You know, we've opened up last year was our first year to do like a market show, showcase, kind of like a trade show. And so I was able to experience that, learn how to do those sales. So that has potential. The community, I love having a free level so that everybody can get in and actually be able to experience and get the things that they need. And then as they begin to grow in their business and they need other things, then there's levels that make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, and even just building that email list to where when I run across really great products and I run across really great opportunities that I know can change a person's business when and if they engage with it and you know, creating a JV partnership or something like that, those are the things that can be added in. And I know how to do all of them. I mean, I spent years in internet marketing and so I understand those concepts, but I haven't applied them to my own business. Mm. I've literally taught other people and walk them through putting them into theirs. So some of it is just sitting down with myself and saying, okay, it's time to get a little selfish and figure out how I'm going to run this business and make it actually work. And then bring it on a team. That'll be my biggest next thing is start bringing on two or three people. I've got an admin starting up. I think it's Monday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, bringing on someone to help out with marketing because bandwidth is an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, I sat down last night, I was at a networking event and they said, well, what do you do? I said, um, I have this conference and then I have the virtual summit and I do the, you know, this and that. And I, you know, 30 minutes later, I'm through talking about all the things that I have. And they're like going, everybody just sits there and goes, I'm tired. (laughs) Just listening to you. And even my coach said, Oh my goodness, we got two hours into our first meeting. And she goes, and she says, well, we need to stop. I said, but I'm not done. That's not all that I do. She says, well, it it needs to be all that you're doing today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, we were, we were talking before we pressed record about like how much we both are doing and overcommitted at this time. And I've just, you know, like 
similarly like you, my wife is my coach, right? <laughs> in a lot of mm. in a lot of respects. And like she's just like, look, like because I was like, I gotta do this, that, and the other thing. I got these client works and I got these podcasts and I've got these other brand new ventures that I'm trying to build. And like she's like, Well, when are you gonna sleep? Well, when are we gonna have dinner? Or you know, like like those sort of questions for me are like my checks. They're like, oh yeah, I'm overcommitted. Like this is a this is not where I wanted to be. This is not this is why I didn't start this. And so having somebody to check those balances is so, so critical. So how do you go through your list of things? Because just because you're overcommitted, and it's, it's, it is super easy to say, okay, I got to let go of some stuff. But I, I seem to be struggling with actually the letting go part, the identifying on the list what I can let go of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's really comes down to taking a look at the list of things that I have to do and aligning that to money and working on the ones because my wife does freelance as well, but I'm essentially the breadwinner, right? So I bring in the most into the household, right? So obviously I can't just chop off my arm and let's just hope and pray, right? So for me, everything that I do is I look towards, okay, is this thing a yes towards money? Is it going to lead to money? Is it is it marketing that brings in new leads? Is it client work, right? Like, because that's obviously important, but is, are these new ventures, how do they work into the whole thing? And is it just, is it going to take me nine months of doing this thing? If it's going to take so long, then maybe I just need to pause on it a little bit just to see until I'm not as overcommitted anymore, right? And then pick that up again. So I kind of just align it to just taking a step back and saying, okay, yes, I said yes to these people. And I'm going to fulfill on my promise to deliver on that. However, what is it that I need to do to make sure that my life doesn't get totally upside down, right? And have my wife upset at me, my kids upset at me. Like, that's not why I started this in the first place. So I just always try to say, okay, well, these things are directly related to money. It's bringing money in or it's leading to money. Those are the focus first. And then after that, let me just bang on those for a week or two. Maybe then the balance will start to come back into focus there. And then I can unravel those other things that I'm trying to do. I'll try that. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely not easy. That's for sure. Because, you know, and that's for me, it's like, you know, I try to help people that have helped me too. And sometimes all of those things come back and collide at the same time. And I'm like, oh, I feel terrible now. Like I can't. Like, can we do it on Wednesday of next week? You know, like, <laughs> so like those sort of things. And But, you know, like, it's hard. It's hard. So we mentioned the virtual summit a few times. Can you describe what that is? Because that's, that's somewhat new, right? It is somewhat new in that I had the, the idea about a week and a half ago and have built out the platform yesterday and spent the last, I guess it's been more than a week and a half. It's probably been about three weeks because the last two weeks, I've been reaching out to people like yourself and asking if you want to be a speaker and, you know, start to build up what that, what's going to be in it. And my thought here is one, going back to one of those things that need to change is I do need to build that email list. And I've always built my email list organically and it's worked really well for me. So even though it's not large, it, it's a wonderful email list. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I sat down with was when I started going through this, these changes that I need to make is, okay, how do I build that email list a little bit faster, but still with integrity. And 
I'm like, well, what about a virtual summit? I, I've always wanted something the opposite of the conference, mm-hmm. you know, in the year, because it just feels like a big, long gap between conferences. And it's, it's difficult, anybody, to keep attention and that kind of stuff. So I said, okay, well, this could work perfect. It's not a ton of time that's needed to be put into it, which of course it is, but it felt like it wasn't going to be. And I get to highlight some people that I follow throughout the year, follow me. I really want their voice out there. So it gives me an opportunity to support the work that you guys are doing and put you in front of other people and get the people that you're looking for to actually hear you and engage with what you're talking about and help some other freelance business owners get more reach, be able to talk about the conference a little bit, let them know that it happened. So the biggest issue that I've ran into is there's just not enough people that know about the conference. I've ran it very grassroots, done all my marketing that way, which is wonderful. And knowing that that's how I've done it, to know that there's people that come from all over the world to this conference is awesome. It's like, how did you hear about it? You know, why is someone from Amsterdam coming to my conference is, is wonderful, but we still need in order for the numbers to work, you know, going back to that profitability is I do need to get to, you know, closer to a 200 person conference. Cause I love the intimacy of it. We've, you know, had more like 100, 150 mm-hmm. all these years kind of back and forth. And so I need to be able to bump that up a little bit, maybe each year over the next couple of years. And then the conference can at least pay for itself and it can pay for a team and things like that. And the sponsors even love that it's small. So I don't have an interest in having, you know, that 500 person, thousand person conference. I love the, you know, mm-hmm. two, 200, maybe 300, you know, at some point, because I think we can still keep the intimacy. So that's really the purpose of and where the, the whole concept of a virtual summit came about. And for those that are listening, when, when is the virtual summit? It will be April 28th, 29th, and 30th. Awesome. So the virtual summit in and of itself, because I've, I've attended some virtual summits. I've also spoken at some. What's funny is like the experience of it, at least initially, it, it's like, oh, I'm binge watching experts talk about their thing, right? And like, you know, it's just rapid fire after that. But then there's those elements of the hallway chats. Like, how do you recreate that? Like, you know, how does the attendees interact with each other? Is it through Twitter? Is it through a private group? Is it even within the virtual summit? You know, like those sort of things. For me, that's been how these sort of things like evolve and like, hey, you know, did you know that there's a conference? Like, oh, you got to go to the conference. Like the hallway chatter for me in events is the one which yeah. is the impactful parts. Like hearing the speakers is awesome. Getting that information is great. You know, as a speaker, I much rather had to do Q and A to be honest, more than anything else, because I want people to get what they came for, like answers to what they came for. But meeting and connecting, like you said, the intimacy of the conference, the physical conference versus the virtual conference. How are you going to try to create that intimacy in the, the virtual summit? Well, it's definitely going to be a challenge. The platform that I was able to, you know, afford this year doesn't have all the bells and whistles that I would love to have. So we may have to use the community. We may have to use a social platform, you know, even just play with, I'm I'm actually got a a meeting with someone that's used this platform before. So I can kind of start to ask her some of those questions because there's so many unknowns Mm -hmm. since I've not ever done one before. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely. Thanks for the feedback for, you know, asking 
I just don't have an exact answer at this point other than it's a priority. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I love the virtual summits because one, I could do it from my pajamas, right? Yes, <laughs> but, there's that. But, but two, it's like, it's just a very different thing too. Like yourself, I love, like I'm a part of a Slack group that we're calling, you know, there's going to be a conference and it's going to be us really. And it's, you know, it's not, it's not a large Slack community at all, maybe 25, 50 people in there, but we're calling it hallway conf. I love it. Because most of us haven't even met before. Maybe a handful of us have met at other events and things like that, but we're just going to say, it's really just a meetup of friends, really what it is. But like, you know, we're going there with the idea of like brainstorming and then things of that nature. And so I like the the smaller groups. So I, I commend you for one, wanting to keep free because we know freelancers are becoming bigger and bigger portions of the population at this point in time. But, exactly. but to yep. keep it small, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. So before I, I let you go, Aside from the virtual summit and the conference and things, what's next? What's next for like the next year? You know, the biggest thing that's next is growing the freelance business weeks. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with what those are. So we have six of them this year. So it's kind of like a startup week for freelance businesses and that, you know, last week long and you need a local organizer that's willing to on the ground, you know, create this event and, you know, pull their peers together and, and all the things. And so I would like to see that, you know, begin to grow more cities. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we, we did three last year. We got six this year. And we are playing with a concept called Freelance Weekend. We're going to beta test that this year because a lot of the cities wanted to be able to do something twice a year. Mm-hmm. Do the Freelance Week maybe at one point in the time and then the Freelance Weekend another point in time. And so developing what that content is going to look like, you know, is it is it free form? Does it have, I, I see it as having a very detailed agenda, you know, that gets put on by a series of speakers in these like maybe three or four different areas of running a freelance business. And it's short, it's sweet. You, you pack in a lot and you connect with your peers and you still have that opportunity to build local community. So that's what I'm really reaching out for is those humans out there that are either already building local community and looking for a way to monetize it. So here we go back to, I haven't monetized my stuff, but I'm helping (laughs) to monetize their stuff. I haven't found a way to monetize it and, or just want another way to bring the people together, you know, their community together. They're a part of a larger network. You know, these are happening. We got, um, who is it? I guess we have Miami, Tampa, Austin, Buffalo. It looks like Portland is going to come on board and then Denver. And those are some really great cities Mm -hmm. to be having stuff in. So if I could double that, you know, over the next year, that would be amazing. So if somebody wants to to run a freelance business week, I'm happy to talk about it. Freelancebusinessweek.com. Awesome. Thank you for sharing your experience and some time with us today. Emily, where can folks reach out and say thanks? Probably emilyleach.com, you know, spelled L-E-A-C-H. Awesome. And definitely go check out FreeCon as well as the virtual summit as well. And I'll link up all of those in the show notes so you can have it. Emily, thanks again for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. And for everyone listening, until next time, it's your time to live in the feast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I can speak for both Emily and myself by saying that we'd love to hear the one takeaway that you got from this episode. 
super simple. In the podcast app of your choice, presumably this one that you're listening to right now, drop that in a comment or a review. Or go ahead and share it in a tweet and tag me at Rez. That's with three Zs. Also, hit that subscribe button so that you'll be the first to listen in next week when we'll be back with Matt Giovanisi, founder of Money Lab and Swim University. We'll dive into, pun intended, the many online business adventures that Matt has developed, explored, been successful, and all the lessons that he's learned over the years. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and it's your time to live in the feast. Mm-hmm.